the Library Art Lab podcast. I'm Lindsay Knoll. And I'm Chris Heine. And this week we have Japan Diaries Part 3. The grand finale. The grand finale. Before we get to that, we want to tell you what's going on at Light Gray Art Lab. Uh, if you haven't seen the Botanica show, now is the chance. We have 125 artists that have done some amazing natural features and some mythology about the Earth's origins, and you guys should totally come check it out. Uh, it will be up for another couple weeks. We have a game night coming up. Yeah, I think the next game night is going to be on the 5th, uh, Thursday, just like always, 6.30 to question mark, 9.30 or so. And I don't know the theme, but check the schedule. That's a that's a good thing to do. So we also have a couple places that will be. Uh, this next weekend, we're going to be splitting up, and I'm headed to New York to go to Reader's Studio, which is a tarot card conference. So if anybody's going to be there, um, I'll have Cosmos and the Light Gray Tarot and stuff like that, as well as my mystical uh, situation to yeah. share with everyone. And so that's going to be happening Um Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday of this coming week. And then where will you be? I will be at GlitchCon on Friday and Saturday. I'll be in the Indie Showcase section on Friday, and then on Saturday I will be in the board game area, and I will be giving a talk, I believe, around 2 or so. So what is GlitchCon, if, if people haven't seen that yet? It is a convention um, that is in uh, Minneapolis, and it is all about promoting learning in the games industry. Um, so it's a more of a symposium where it's lectures, workshops, classes, all sorts of things. So it's pretty it's pretty educational, but it's all about video games, games, nerddom, all that kind of stuff. That sounds fun. So if you guys are in either of those areas, come and say hi to us. So without further ado, Japan Diaries Part Three. It's about 1.39 and we're sitting underneath a shrine um, near the top of Mount Misen. We are, as you can hear, surrounded by pouring jungle rain. It's actually really calming and every now and again there'll be a bird song that I don't even recognize uh, happen. Maybe we'll hear it. But um, we've been walking down a path of what looks to be really ancient cobblestone streets and carved um, stairs. And nestled into the cracks of all the rocks are tiny little shrines, tiny little Buddha shrines, um, or maybe Shinto. I'm not really sure. Maybe both. Maybe uh-huh. both. And um, it's been really interesting because we've run into a bunch of giant rocks, and along the rocks will be cracks, and inside the cracks there'll be coins. Um, and uh, we heard from uh, the people that were hosting us that... Uh, there are a couple things that happen as you visit one of the shrines. You can either donate and, of course, say a prayer, and then people put their coins inside of the cracks of the rocks, uh, again, to kind of pay homage. Or they'll receive a fortune. I'm not even sure if I should call it a fortune. Some sort of, of omen on a tiny slip of paper. Chris and I both donated to one of the shrines and got a tiny slip of paper. And unfortunately, we're unable to read it, even with our app. That, that kind of translates it's it. It's pretty dense. It's really it's dense. It's not like a Chinese fortune, like the fortune cookie fortune. No, it's a huge, it's like this, long thing. Yeah, it's like like a lot of kanji. <laughs> it is a lot. And and so we tried to look it up to see what happens. And so far we we read something about a party and a, a meeting of relatives and um, the passing of time or something like that. But... What we gather is that when you get a bad one, you're supposed to leave it somewhere next to a shrine to get rid of it. And so we've seen tons of little slips of paper tied around the treetops and around branches about, you know, people height. And it's been kind of interesting to see the old and weathered ones and the wet ones, the ones that have been sitting around for a long time. And so right now we're actually sitting under a large gateway shrine, and on either side is a huge, giant sculpture. One sculpture on one side is rather uh, ominous looking, the other one is a little bit less so. How's it going? <laughs> <laughs> I was on the phone and I stopped for like 20 minutes, so I was talking because I walked into a dead spot. Hey, hang on, give me a second. Uh, I'll be safe when I get to Thailand. Yes, Dad. Yes, Dad. Yeah. Did you come from the city? Which trail were you on down there? That one. Sort of the city. Yeah, the back oh, of really? the city. Oh, okay. really? How long did it take you? Um, yeah. 
March 18th and we're back at Mike and Ruth's house. Chris has somehow managed to take the entirety of uh, Japan's water supply and put it right in his boots. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, I was confused about what day it was. You don't even have to say that again. I'll just react better. <laughs> put it right in my boots. Uh, yeah, we ended up pretty wet by the end of today. Somehow I managed to not get that wet. I don't know how you got that wet. It's but... because an umbrella covers 99% of your body and it covers like 45% of my body. That would make sense. And, I... and your umbrella hovers like five feet above your boots and mine is like seven feet above mine. Yeah, well. I meant to say a funnier number, but <laughs> that was probably an accurate number. It's probably an accurate number. number, yeah. So as you probably heard, um, and you probably can't hear now, all the rain uh, kept going forever and ever and ever. We were making our way back down the rest of the mountain when we ran into a friendly Australian man um, who had somehow come here to, what, work as a... He was like a chef. A chef? But he also worked on mountains. I think he was a chef at ski resorts. Oh, well, he was really nice. And he was one of the only people that we saw on the mountain as we were coming down. That's because it was pouring rain. <laughs> it was pouring rain. Well, I actually really enjoy being one of the only people on some of our, our treks, you know? Like, sometimes when there's nobody around, it's actually really serene, really beautiful. And even though it was pouring, uh, I managed to not get that wet, so I was pretty comfortable. Yeah, and I was wet, but that was okay. It was a really long walk. We took the gondola up, and then we gave our tickets away yeah. and walked all the way back. So it was quite a... Not a crazy long walk, but in the rain, it was a, it was a few hours. I thought it was awesome. I mean, I feel like one of those things that if you're ever practically by yourself in a forest and it starts raining, it's just the most beautiful noise ever. Um, I feel like people buy that stuff to fall asleep to, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we should have done that, Chris. We should have taken some sweet audio and then um, put it on our, on our light gray shop for people to fall asleep to, except for they'd have my coughing in there. Um, and maybe, uh, maybe your angry noises from being all wet. I got real tired of taking photos <laughs> just cause my camera was constantly getting wet and I was wet. So I'd be like, I'd be like, that's it. I'm not going to take any more photos. It's such a pain in the butt. And then I would be like, oh, I should take a photo. Of this. You're and like, time like, to kneel in the mud. Yeah, and I'd just like grunt cause I was so exhausted. We have like a 40 inch hole in one of your giant boots. So that might have something to do with your discomfort. But it was really fun, and um, it was really nice also to kind of, like, get back on the bullet train, um, even if we were surrounded by a million people. Even if it was incredibly stressful, because we got back to Hiroshima. Mm -hmm. uh, we, took off from, uh, we took off from Miyajima right around dusk, I think. And by the time we got back to Hiroshima... Everyone was flying around. It was super busy, super crowded. Because it's then, a holiday weekend now. We went in there and we're like, one ticket back to uh, Osaka, please. And they're like, all sold out. And we were like, uh... We're like, now what? Now and what he's like, do? you should have booked it sooner. And we're like, thanks. Thanks. We don't know <laughs> what we're doing. It was... He's like, we, it's a holiday, and I was like, I don't, I don't even know what holiday it is. You're like, what day is it? Where are we? And we ended up um, somehow finding our way to the front of a line, um, waiting for a train. So he said, you know, if you need to get on, you have to go to one of these cars where they don't have any reservations. You just stand there. It's and just hope first you come, get on. first serve for the bullet train. And so we were like, all right, we could probably do that. Which is a what three hour ride or something. <laughs> so I mean, we were like, uh, we got to get on this train. Yeah, we got to get on the fast one. So we went and we stood, and we were like how come there's nobody here? And we stood right next to the little triangle where it said we should be standing. And um, we waited, and slowly but surely, a line of people started piling up behind us, and I was like, I think this is it. But we were sitting there, we're first in line. And the second the train pulls up, we pile in very or in an orderly fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, with everybody else and got a seat somehow on one of the trains um, but then the people kept coming and all the seats were filled and then the all the aisles were full and then there were people with backpacks and people with like bags and you could tell every single human being wanted to get home yeah yeah and it and we were all steamy and wet and it was just so nice to have a seat 
So we sat there and I dozed off a couple times, you know, walking down a mountain, finally getting a seat. But, um, but it was really cool. It was, it was crazy. It was crazy beautiful. I'm sure we'll put some photos up someday. Yeah, we were exhausted. We probably spent, I don't know, good like eight hours on the mountain or something. As it should be. Yeah, as it should be. But that's, yeah, so that's why we were tired, I guess. Yeah, so who knows what we're going to do tomorrow. Today's Saturday, March 19th. It's my birthday. Happy birthday. Thanks. I was going to try and tell you before you said it, but I didn't. I know make it's it. my birthday. I know it. I've known it for many moons. In fact, I've known it for so long because I always get the reminder every year that it's my birthday because it's also in this month the birthday of many people that we love, including Francesca Butchko, including Ian Gordon. Including your brother, Justin Heine. Including my brother, Brian Seach. Amongst many other wonderful March birthdays. But today is my birthday. Yes. And I am old. And Mike's sister's birthday. Mike's sister's birthday. And Mike, happy birthday. our host, Mike. <laughs> yeah, to Mike's sister and also all the other people. And so um, <laughs> it's been a very... Uh, I don't even know what to call it today. Today, today my birthday was pretty cool. I'm here in Japan, which I think is really, really cool. Um, I'm eating all the Japanese food, which is extra cool. I am looking at some stuff that I would never get to look at. I have a weird cough. Not really sure if that is cool or not. Um... But for the most part, today, like many of the other days in our adventure, started out with a big long train ride. Except for this time, uh, we went from Nishomiya to Amagasaki and then to Kyoto. And in Kyoto, um, we were told by both our great hosts as well as this nice lonely planet travel guidebook um, that Kyoto has a ton of history in it and so we got to see firsthand some of that today as we walked um, from the Kyoto station all the way down what five blocks until we ran into a massive like the world's biggest largest wooden temple well according to the sign it's the world's largest wooden structure period it was really large it was really large. There was a courtyard um, that we walked into. We walked underneath sort of like an entryway that was a huge, dark, kind of blackish, brownish wood with painted white accents and gold kind of filigree. Um, maybe some ironwork um, with what looked like... Probably brass as well. What do those look like? Dog, Dragon dogs or whatever yeah, those I think, were? Or lion um, dogs? Lions. I don't know what they are. They're kind of those crazy... They're very recognizable looking. though. Yeah. Um, and we should know what they are. We should know what they are. We'll go, we'll go research after this, but, um, <laughs> we keep saying, I know you keep saying. that's okay. I, I feel like life is just, well, life is one big research project. It is. And, um, but, yes, but this one was a little bit different than other temples we've seen because sometimes they're Buddhist, sometimes they're Shinto. Um, a lot of them have been, have that verm, vermilion orange. Yeah. This one was very dark and with gold so it was kind of different than a lot of the other ones we've seen i think it is different i mean I this feel one like, was buddhist for sure yeah and didn't ruth say that it was one of the two large factions there in kyoto like two it was like the headquarters for yeah one of the um denominations or i don't know what they call them specifically to break up the factions or whatever yeah i have no idea but it was really cool so um so with a lot of the temples around here, um, it's customary for you to remove your shoes. And so we walked up to this massive hulking building where you can see like a couple stone steps and then some wooden steps and then like a large platform. Everybody was sitting there kind of pulling their shoes off and throwing them in these big plastic bags. And we walked up the stairs, plastic bags in hand, and we walked into the temple, which was absolutely gorgeous. There were some brass fixtures, um... I don't know, maybe 30 feet in, 
that held these tiny little candles that were dwarfed by the massiveness of this open room. And there was probably 40 people in there just kneeling on the floor on the tatami mats. And one guard posted at the, at the front of the, um, this building. And of course, this building that we were in uh, was one of many buildings in a courtyard. Um, all of which were outfitted with the same kind of like dark wood finish with white accents and gold. And so I walked in and I kind of knelt down and I got to take a look at everything around me and it was really super cool in there. Um, there were, there was like a big altar at the very front and a lot of foliage in there. Uh, there were a lot of structures, a lot of like um, candle holders, um, candelabra type things, um, and it was very simple but very airy. You know, a lot of wooden pillars kind of held up the, the structure, but I went back outside, um, and Chris was taking photos outside, but it was really just a very peaceful place. Um, there's a lot of little tiny pebbles all around the grounds, um, and then some big larger stone walkways. But the whole entire thing was really impressive. And at one point, Chris turned to me and said, do you think there are multiple floors to this place? And of course, we look up and it's like, I don't know, 50 feet tall or something like that. And it's got these great like terraced um, looking balconies on some of the buildings and other ones sort of have that that sort of stepped look to it, you know, and surely there must be other rooms or um, mm. different kind of parts to them. But it's hard to tell without seeing some sort of yeah, cross-section. Well, I was just wondering because the floor is so open that I don't know. I don't see any obvious like way to ascend oh, up to a no, higher level. No so, but the building is really big and there's probably a lot I couldn't see. So It was also pretty intimidating, you know, going in there and not knowing what you're supposed to be doing. I mean, I wasn't exploring while I was in there. I just kind of went in and plopped myself down and tried to look around and not be weird and conspicuous, you know? Yeah. So... It was really cool. Um, as you can kind of tell, my voice is a little weird and weak right now. I have, like, massive coughing fits all day, which is really too bad. Um, and so it's here I am trying not to cough while I'm in the middle of this temple. And so I kind of got back out of there, and Chris and I went and um, walked straight out the front gates and across the road. And in the area, there were a lot of people selling, like... Um, prayer beads and incense and um, sort of like altar cloths is what I think they were. I'm not really sure. Um, but a lot of different like little tiny shops. And in the shops there would be people with a sewing machine and, and kind of like pressing different things in the back. And um, we walked around for a second and saw a sign on the outside of a building that said, um, the gardens are this way. And we were like, the gardens, what? And so we walked down the alleys, which in Kyoto is really interesting because um, you'll be walking past a couple shops and a couple of buildings and all of a sudden you'll turn the corner and nestled right directly between two totally normal modern buildings will be a shrine. Mm -hmm. And some person will have pulled their like SUV up in there and parked it like directly right next to the shrine. And we're sitting there speculating like, is it the person that tends to these things or is somebody just parking here? Or, like you know, what exactly is happening, but it's such a weird, surreal thing to see how many shrines and and temples are integrated into this very urban space. I mean, it completely feels like, I mean, you don't, you don't see that anywhere. Yeah. Occasionally you know? you'll see temples other places, but Kyoto has them like three times a block. Well, yeah, it's like if you stuck them in a salt and pepper shaker and just kind of shook them over the top of the city and just they just kind of went wherever. Yeah, and they're kind of nestled a little bit back in the buildings. Yeah, and so we walked past um, a couple, like, small areas, and a lot of the buildings themselves are very old-looking. Um, well, Kyoto is one of the cities that um, didn't receive a lot of any attention during the World War II bombings, so it has older architecture than a lot of the other cities. Which is incredible, and I, I know you're taking a lot of photos, so hopefully we'll post those somewhere, but a lot of tile roofs, um, a lot of old-style, like, structures. Um, usually, to give you an idea of the contrast, when we're in a newer city, 
um, or when we're looking at some of the buildings that are a little newer, um, our hosts, Mike and Ruth, have told us multiple times that um, a lot of times actual like housing doesn't mean a lot. Um, so the longevity or the old, you know, how old your house is or when it was built does not really matter to people over here. Um, and supposedly it's just because um, houses are not meant to last. They're not built to last like a bazillion years. It's a harsh environment. It's moist and 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 wet and uh, also earthquakes. So houses kind of deteriorate pretty f- quickly. And he was saying maybe 20 years tops is like, you know, a, an old house. And I was thinking to myself, like, wow, that's not very long. Like, why invest in a new house? But, you know, he also says they're built to be very airy. So, one of the things that we kind of have seen with our stay here is that there's a lot of space heaters. Um, you know, it'll be kind of drafty, but that's also so that the air moves around because, holy crap, did we walk into a couple places today that it felt like we were in somebody's weird sauna yeah. just because there was absolutely no ventilation in there. And a lot of people. Yeah, and a lot of people. So, um so we turned the corner and we went um, up to a tiny little booth. There was a guard standing there and um, paid, I think, maybe $5 a person or so to go into these gardens, which we couldn't see anything. We hadn't read anything about them. All we saw was a sign on the side of a building, and we said, okay, well, sure, why not? So we wandered into these gardens, and actually um, I read something about them on the pamphlet that only a little tiny piece was in English, but um, back in the olden days, this piece of land was gifted um, to the temple, and uh, there are a lot of different blossoming trees, and there's actually like a big um, recessed pond and waterfall and kind of moving, um, meandering, I guess, water things in there. Mm-hmm. What would you even call that water thing? It's like a garden that has kind of little rivers and creeks and ponds and and kind of water, water. That's what I'm trying to figure water out. Facet, water things. Water facet built into the into the garden. And it's funny, and it's it's really neat because it, you know you think about Japanese garden and you think like you know manicured bushes or bushes and. Um, you know, trees that are kind of like cascading over like a part of a pond and there's koi fish and and it was definitely all of that. Yeah. It was really pretty. I mean, there was a little tea house that was behind a hedge maze. Lots um, of little covered bridges and things like that. Yeah, there's like a, a stone structure in there that was kind of pagoda shaped. I mean, it was very cool. And so um, we also, as we got to the back of these gardens, saw... Um, like a crane kind of swooping down and grabbing a piece of of like grass from the pond that was there and then kind of sweeping back up and you can hear them in the trees and so we watched them fly back up to the trees and realized that there's probably six or seven yeah maybe more i don't know there was a lot in one tree and just cranes everywhere and so chris took out his camera and and it was just unreal you know sometimes we see cranes or herons or something like that in minnesota but not that often, and not unless you're not living like, downtown Minneapolis. Yeah, yeah, not living downtown. But it was really cool. Um, there was a giant kind of pondish area with a lot of lily pads, and um, it was only probably about like a foot deep. You know. Yeah, maybe. And um, in there were like some really uh, kind of brownish carp or koi fish. I don't know what the difference is. I think they're all the same. I think so. I'm not sure. These were brown. Things. They're brown. They're not like super decorative ones, but they were really funny. And I think all the koi fish that we've encountered so far have been really friendly. And I'm not sure whether or not that's just because they're expecting a meal. Um, I or think it probably is. You think so? I don't know. It's really fun. I mean, they're huge. They're like a foot and a half long, you know, big, like thick, fat fish, like, like somebody's forearm, you know? Well, bigger than that, even somebody's big giant forearm. <laughs> giant forearm. Giant forearm. Yeah, yeah, or like calf muscle or something like that, like a big honking fish. Yeah, and and so it was really cool. We walked around and walked through like a covered bridge and watched the, the cranes for a little bit. And then 
decided to walk back out and walk through the rest of Kyoto. And so again, you know, most of our day was spent kind of looking at little tiny shops and looking at some of the old architecture, taking photos of some of the houses and stopping in um, and kind of peeking at some of like the the funny little shops that were over there. But one thing that's really struck me on our travel so far is that the power lines are so interesting over here. Isn't that a weird thing? You they're know, like super dense and just go everywhere. They're just like spaghetti, you know, and they're really visible. And I think, you know, in other places they, you know, a city might hide them or city planning might put them. Or they at least kind of follow the street. Or put them in the alleys or something. Yeah. You know, but these are just like balls of, of like wires right in smack in the middle of the street, just kind of you know, stringing across to different houses and stuff. And it's very weird, but really cool at the same time. Mm-hmm. We walked through a couple covered streets and pretty much just took our time. Chris saw on a map uh, a couple days ago that there are a couple board game stores here that he was excited to go and take a look at. Yeah, so that was our... I mean, we didn't have a real... Uh, plan or destination but that was kind of the general area that we were headed was towards this board game store that I heard of that was called Yellow Submarine and there's one in all like Osaka Kyoto I think there's one in Kobe and Tokyo so they're kind of all over there and I didn't know what to expect I thought they were just like department stores that carried board games or something but we finally found it and it was on the fourth floor of this building You'd have to be looking for it probably to find it, I think, right? Well, you'd at least have to be looking up. Yeah, you'd have, yeah. it was very... It was on the fourth floor, so you weren't going to see it just by looking looking around at street level, really. And we took the elevator up there, and it was a legit board game store. They had tons and tons of magic cards and Pokemon cards, all sorts of CCGs and stuff, and then a real legit board game section, too, which I was curious to see just because Japanese stuff is so small and board game boxes are really big so I didn't know what they would have Um, but they had all the same titles that I see at the board game stores around America plus lots of local Japanese stuff that I've never ever seen before so was your dream come true well except for the smell which was let me paint a picture (laughs) for you what the smell is like imagine walking into a bathroom after somebody just cha- taking like a giant dump and then turn the shower on. <laughs> and so you're sitting in this shower mist of dump and then also throw in a little bit of Cheetos and maybe spicy B.O. Okay. I would have just said it was like walking into an armpit, but I didn't get the dump part as much. <laughs> Um, but I mean, it's like a dirty diaper. I think board game, dirty, sweaty, dirty diaper board game stores have a, uh, fried food mist. Usually. No, I would say board game have a, (laughs) a, uh, kind of a stigma of being stinky places, but I've never really noticed that much in America. Well, this one was sweaty. That was a different, right? but this one was not sweaty. Like BO sweaty. It was not like a BO sweat. It was like a, it was like the air was thick. Thick as if you were in a sauna filled with, like... People. Yeah, but but maybe some people that have been wearing their shirt for, like, three days in a row. Okay. Well, anyway, it, it otherwise was very clean and things, but there was a lot of people in there, and it was hot. I was, like, sweating after being in there for two minutes. You probably contributed to the stuff. I also had, like, a winter coat on and a giant backpack and a camera and a whatever and blah, blah, blah. So I was pretty arm to the hilt but anyway I quickly made some decisions and I bought some games and I walked around and looked at what everyone was playing just because I was curious of what they were actually playing on the table and then I asked the clerks for some things and they didn't speak English but they tried their best to help me and then uh, and then we made our hasty retreat and I was so happy to breathe the fresh fresh air (laughs) in the stairwell as we awkwardly scooted around a guy reading some comics on the on the third on floor. On the super narrow stairway. Super narrow stairway. I but was sad. Why were you sad? Say goodbye to my friends. Oh, your new friends? Your yeah. s- new stinky friends? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so it goes. 
Nobody in there looked particularly stinky. It was just no, no, how no. many people were in no, there. No, it was just, it was like being inside somebody's mouth. <laughs> Wait, poop. <laughs> All right, let me back up. It was not exactly poopy. It was like butt cracky. All right. Okay. <clears throat> so not poopy. It's just like, it's just like a stale bathroom with like a, okay, you like take a water bottle out like a, like a, like a, one of those little fans with the spray bottle attached to it. Yeah. So if I filled that with toilet water <laughs> and then I decided to hose you down with it or something well, like that. Well, don't, anyway, if you're in any of these cities, check out the Yellow Submarine because it was a really good game store. It actually. was great. It was great. And, um. Maybe go in the middle of winter, and and then it won't be so hot in there. However, we did go to a second place, because Chris said, you know what else is around here? Cafe Meeple. Cafe Meeple, yeah, it's a board game cafe. And he's like, we should totally go to that, because we're like right around the corner from it. And I was like, yeah, sure, sounds great. Just to peek at it, because uh, I don't think we had time to sit there and like play a whole game or anything like that. But we went in, and... It was really busy, which was cool to see. And there was people playing real games, like Beyond Magic and Yu-Gi-Oh! I don't know. Pokemon. Yu-Gi-Oh! Do people <laughs> even play Yu-Gi-Oh! Is that even a game? Yeah. And then we made our haste retreat again. Yeah, because when the door slid open, like a giant <laughs> wall of stink came out again and smashed us both in the face. And the guy said, he's, he said something in Japanese, but he... he with his arm signals, he said, would you like to come in and sit down? And then we both went, no, 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 it's okay, it's okay. We backed up and almost fell down the stairs because the stink escaped. You know what? I will just say this. I don't blame any of those places because when you get a bunch of wet, misty people <laughs> in one place, it's not the, not the game place's fault. I blame the people. Okay. Anyway, so... We went back out to the fresh-smelling streets of Kyoto, where we went and, and kind of hung out with some non-smelly people. The funny thing about being here, besides all this, is that, you know, here I am, like, every three seconds, and I'm sure Chris is going to edit all of them out, but we've just been coughing like crazy. Me, me worse than Chris, and you can kind of hear it in my voice. I'm just, like, straining to keep it as a voice. and Suppressed. not like Yeah. Everybody else was coughing, too. And uh, Mike was saying maybe sometimes it's the pollen. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what it could be. But ever since I've been here, I mean, it has just been unreal amounts of coughing. So it is really awkward. Everybody on the trains, probably at least a third of the people are wearing face masks. Those surgical masks. White surgical masks, They yeah. sell them at all of the convenience stores, uh, like all the 7-Elevens and all of the places like that where... There's, like, the beautiful ones for people that want to look beautiful in it. And there's other ones that are just, like, you can wear them for five days straight. Did you see that? There's, yeah. like, all these different different ones. I'm sure, like, half of it's for keeping the stuff out. And then the other half is for keeping the, the germs in, mm-hmm. you know. And so here I am, like, coughing. And I am extremely nervous about the fact that I'm coughing. And I'm, like, coughing into my... You know, crook of my arm or something like that. But no one else looks like they're coughing into their arm. They all look like they're coughing into their masks. You know, and it's funny because we we have this Lonely Planet guide, and right on the front page, or they had been talking about like the social faux pas here. Right, you don't eat or drink on the street mm-hmm. ever, which is another one of these things that I think has been really difficult because you don't. Uh, we go back to Minneapolis, so I go buy a coffee and I'll carry my coffee around and drink it for like four hours on the street you know yeah or like you get chris and rob's hot dog and you just eat it in the middle just of all day yeah all day for like hours just, yeah you know i just suck it until <laughs> <laughs> the bun just dissolves <laughs> so that's so gross chris that's so gross made me puke a little bit in my mouth i think a couple days ago we didn't even re- record the podcast because we just were sick and i think it's because we didn't drink any water the day before. Maybe. I'm pretty sure that's what it was, because I was totally nervous to, to even, like, drink my tea in public. Nobody else is drinking tea in public. Yeah, it's pretty weird. It is. I mean, 
It's really. I feel like yeah. Usually, I always have like a water bottle on my side. So yeah, well, I do too. And you know, you just don't see anybody doing it. Yeah. People give you your your street food, and then they pack it in a little tiny plastic bag, and they put a piece of tape on it so that you don't open it back up and eat it right then. Because you're supposed to be taking it somewhere. Yeah. Apparently. Apparently, you know. So it's been interesting trying to learn that piece of culture and not, you know, not do anything wrong. For the most part, we just hung out for the rest of the night, got a got a tea, and then um, came back here, and it was really nice. Mike and Ruth surprised us with uh, cupcakes for my birthday. It was really cute. Giant cupcakes. Huge, awesome cupcakes, which I was happy to eat. And then um, we just had a really good day just hanging out, taking it easy. And birthday quinoa. Yeah. Quinoa and cupcakes for dinner. Perfect combo. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know what we're doing tomorrow. We only have a couple days left. And so, we'll see. Today is March 20th. Uh, we actually started the day knowing exactly where we wanted to go. So, right above Kyoto, maybe about 40 minutes or so, there's a beautiful mountain that's got a really majestic and incredible series of uh what would you call them shrines temples yeah uh. so, something it's a it's it's kind of this really great meandering walk where you can go all the way up one mountain and then all the way back down the other side to another city and we heard about it and decided that that's exactly what we wanted to do today so we had kind of an adventure because we heard it was also a little tricky to get there because we had to take a bus and a train and all sorts of stuff so we went all the way up Rode the bullet train, or rode the special rapid train, mm-hmm. um, all the way up to Kyoto, and then had to find our way onto a bus that took us across the city into a weird part of town where we got off and all Pretty much as far north? It was north, yeah. Yeah, as you could go and still get buses and trains and things, I think. And we went far, far, far up there, stopped, and we said, oh man, we should probably get some snacks, because who knows where we're going to be. We're going to yeah. be on a mountain. And so we stopped at a gas station or a convenience store and we grabbed a bunch of weird stuff. And of course, you know, as we as we all know, you can't eat anything. So um, we were sitting there and getting pretty hungry at this time. And we couldn't find the train station, the final train to get to our, our mountain destination. So what do we do, Chris? We found a, a bush. Yeah, hid in a bush and ate our food. Proudly hid in a bush and ate our food like true uh, explorers that we are. And then uh, packed up our food remnants and walked across the street and lo and behold, there was our train. So we got on a train and it was really cute. It was a very tiny train and um, it only had one direction to go. And we rode it all the way to the very, very end, got off, and we were in like the most quaint, tiny little village. It was absolutely beautiful. Um, we got out and there was, uh, like a food truck, I guess is what I would call it. It was a bake truck. It was a bake truck. They had like steam buns. They had like different puffy breads. They had like, I don't even know what else. Some like savory looking things, some weird shaped bakery items. Yeah. And, uh, we marveled at some of them and decided to continue on our journey so we We got a giant loaf of raisin bread first which is probably my favorite thing here so far that's this one was amazing it was like almost it was like a puffy cloud in its consistency too though a raisin cloud yeah i don't know it was good it was super good and so um we walked up up like a little bit of a a street and to our left we saw a big temple i think that's when we decided we thought we were in the right place right yeah, I'm pretty sure we knew we were in the right place, I think. Yeah, we might have known. <laughs> I was I like, know. Chris, it's over here. I don't yeah, know. I mean, we were just kind of following. There was no signs, as well, that I could tell. There was no signs. So everywhere around us was mountain. Mountains, mountains, mountains. And there's tall trees, old forest, and um, old-looking houses with traditional, uh, like, traditional settings and traditional roofs. And it was beautiful it was it was such a nice change of scenery from some of like the um the homes that had like stucco walls these were all just what were they wood 
I'm not sure. I don't know. It had a very old feeling to it. It also, and this is, I don't, I don't know why I thought this, but for some reason, maybe it was just the way the the trees and the hills were or something, but it reminded me of like an ancient Japanese version of Twin Peaks. What? Which I don't think you really know that that oh, well. Me? Yeah. Oh, yeah but uh, I don't know. It, it had kind of a, it was very charming and quaint. It was. But it was also kind of ominous for some reason. Maybe that's because of the giant tengu head that was like staring at you. I forgot there was a huge one of that. It was like 15 feet tall, bright red, with a massive nose that had to be propped up because it was too heavy Yeah. by itself. But it was a, what was it, paper mache or something, or concrete? But it was... I don't know what they... It's probably wood. It was huge. Yeah. It was uh, a huge... And what's a tengu, Chris? What is it? I think they're like demons. I should a probably giant, look it up. red, angry-looking demon yeah, head th- with a huge nose. Yeah, they're like a legendary creature found in Japanese folk tales. I don't know. If you saw them, you would know what they are. Um, they have kind of like yellow eyes and giant eyebrows. And yeah. And then the... Massive nose. This temple is supposedly where like the king of the tengu lived, and that's why that um, giant tengu mask was there right when we got there oh i didn't know that but i did see yeah it was super scary well you got off and that was the first thing that stared you in the face but we went up the stairs a little bit further and we passed by two giant pillars kind of like the never-ending story and one of them on the left had a, a giant stone tiger um that was just hanging out and then on the right was a giant stone tiger smiling yeah with his mouth kind of open Chris and I saw it on our way up there, and we were like, oh, look at how nice those are. They look very nice. And then we kept going, and there was a little tiny temple store. It was like a reception area or kinda something. Kind of like a sort of a museum a little bit. There was like a, a diorama on the inside where you could read some stuff about it. And we walked in, and there were some people selling incense and figures. And there was some information and a couple of sculptures of the two tigers there. Did we ever figure out what those were about? Not really, but they are kind of like the icon of that temple. So they were everywhere. They were there was multiple statues. They had different styles of them. Um, yeah, the patient one and the smiling one. Yeah, it's pretty. It was pretty silly. I don't know. I liked them. I liked them. I thought they were great. I actually regret not buying one of those little wooden tablets that they had there too. So we had heard that there was maybe like a mile or so, maybe it was a couple mile walk all the way up this mountain. And there was supposed to be something like 20-some, maybe 30-some different little shrines all the way up to the very top, and then mm-hmm. kind of a, a bigger area. And then once you get to the very top of the mountain, you were supposed to be able to walk down the other side and reach one of the other stops, um, another little town that had another stop on the, on the subway or right. the train that we were on. So we were like, why not do the whole thing? So we started up there. And we were going at a decent pace. And, of course, we're, like, now in the mountains, and so things get a little bit harder and harder to breathe. But it was really cool. So every now and again, there would be, like, a tiny little shrine. One we found um, had a secret entrance, and there was a waterfall that was maybe 25 feet up, tiny little spring that was sprinkling water um, in a vertical line all the way down and and hitting this tiny little pool below where there had a there had been a, a shrine set up um, that people could you know kind of pray to or stand by and uh, there were tons of stone tablets that were carved everywhere and you know each one was a little bit different uh, as we walked up there we saw tons of ferns and moss and huge pine trees you know those pine trees that are on all the scrolls that you see yeah. Where the branches are like kind of sparse and bendy and the branches kind of like lift back up at the ends so it's kind of like a like a swoop, you know? Yeah. Um there were so many of those. I don't think I've ever really seen pine trees like that, but they were really cool and um light would filter through this and every now and again it would start sprinkling. But for the most part It wasn't like being in a forest full of crazy underbrush, you know? No, in fact, most of the trees, or a lot of the trees, and it was really dense with these really tall trees, were the, they were perfectly straight and nothing started growing on them for the first 
50, 60 feet. Yeah, they were huge. They were just bare all the way up to the top, and then they just had like a little pine tree at the top. Yeah, little spindly kind of like curvy branches that reached back up to the sky, and um, kind of spindly uh, pine needles on them too. And then the whole forest floor was all pine needles, and so it was really easy to walk through there. Um, no bugs. Yeah, there was no underbrush or anything. It was just, yeah, nothing. Nothing. So we walked in the zigzag up this mountain, kept going, kept going. Every now and again, we'd take a break on um, one of the pathways. And as we neared the top, we finally reached one big, I don't even know what it was called, but a, a large shrine in a building um, where there was a stone garden, kind of like a resting area and an, um, like a, a trellis that a bunch of grapevines or vines were um, were resting, and there were a couple different troughs full of water that had those um, little ladles. Uh, and there were a lot of people up there. I was actually surprised at how many people were up there. But it had the best view of the whole city. So you, as you looked down there, you could see the mist all around the trees. Um, there were lots of birds. Uh, it was just really serene. And I could just imagine the people of this town just being so happy to have this kind of nature around them all the time. There was sort of mountains upon mountains as you looked out, and um, it was amazing to see it was that close to Kyoto, but still very pristine and, and kind of like being out in the middle of nowhere, you know? Mm-hmm. So we reached the top. I think we stopped for a second. We were like, is this the way down? Because all of a sudden, our pathway, instead of being like a gravel path, became kind of a muddy path. And then it was kind of like logs that had been stuck in the side of the mountain to help you keep your traction. Mm-hmm. But then it was very wet and kind of, um, yeah, more like trail-like. Yeah, well, it was like you get to that big main kind of temple area. And then to figure out where you're going to go, you kind of like, we just walked around and there's like kind of a back door. Do you remember that? And it was just like, we're just like, do we go through here? Otherwise, we're going to go back the way we came. So we went through this like back door and just started walking, and then it was a lot more sparse. I think most people go up to that temple and then just walk back. Well, the crazy instead thing instead of going up over the mountain was I can't believe it. We were walking, and as we got to that that area that was descending on the other side of the mountain, the people that we saw were all wearing high heels. <laughs> yeah. Like every single one of them was wearing like their fancy dress shoes, and here we are, of course, in our like camping gear. But I can't believe it. I don't know how they made it up there. Nobody was splattered with mud or anything, but yeah. they were all just fancy. fancy and at the, the very top of the mountain was like um, a root. I don't know. What would you call it? It was like a root field. If you could imagine like a giant rainstorm just bearing down upon like the, the bases of the trees and all of the pine needles washing away and all of the dirt washing away and then slowly... Like the dirt sinks, and every single root that ever existed on that tree had sort of been exposed and was kind of drying out, you know, on the top. Mm-hmm. It looked like that. It looked like kind of like a brain. Yeah, it was a big field of like or tendrils or spaghetti or veins or something. But beautiful. But it was really cool, and there was a little tiny shack up there. We sort of walked around there for a second and started to descend, um, and it was it was great. I mean, I'm. <laughs> was super tired because of again I don't know if I'm sick or what but um you know it was just nice kind of taking our time walking down there and it wasn't carrying like a million things or anything but we walked all the way down through mud puddles and like you know sticks and rocks and things like that and um it was very serene and after a while there was no one it was just us and we finally made it down maybe around five o'clock or so to the very base of something where um, there was a sign that blacked our path that said no entrance or something like that. And we were like, what? And we could see the road. So we decided to break the rules and go through it and find the road. Because otherwise, I don't know how we would have gotten out of the forest. We ended up, um, again, trying to pull out our compass and figure out where to find the next train station. Because when, when you walk down the opposite side of a mountain, you forget that you don't know where you're going after that. So um, we walked up another hill. Yeah. Um, once we got to the road, and this is where we saw tons of kind of uh, traditional-looking restaurants. Kind of inns or restaurants or something. It looked like homes that had, like, the rice paper windows or doors or whatever they are. 
um, and you know kind of wooden decks and inside in through some windows you could see um, the traditional kind of like uh, settings on the floor I really wish we would have stopped and had some dinner but we had just called uh, Mike and Ruth and promised that we would have some dinner with those guys uh, tonight so we were trying our best to find our way back and walked around for a little bit and Chris was taking some some art arty photos um, embarrassing me in front of the locals as we were sitting there uh, but we found a really beautiful uh, river that was running alongside this town we found a tiny little art gallery that was filled with pottery and cosmetics and jewelry and interesting things um, and then somehow we just walked for what like another mile and a half down the hill after we finally gained our bearings. Well, we, we walked for 45 minutes or an hour in the wrong direction and then we're like uh-oh train station's not this way and then we turned around and walked all the way back. <laughs> yeah and then we finally finally made And then we were like cruising. We were like yeah, cause we were going downhill. running downhill trying to catch the train and, and it was getting dark and we were on this mountain and there was no sidewalk so we were like on the side of the road. Actually there were people everybody we saw was wearing a kimono. Yeah, it probably is related to that holiday, maybe. Yeah, everybody looked really nice. And so um, we finally got back to the train, and the rest was a blur. Um, we must have rode the train for, what, a couple We just rode a bunch of trains and buses and got all it. yeah. We were really... I was tired. You were tired, yeah. I think you're pretty out of it from being so sick, but so every time we get done with something, you just, like, fall asleep on the trains. <laughs> I'm good at that. So we ended up getting all the way back, and Mike picked us up, and he said, oh, I got a surprise for you. So he and Ruth took us up to um, a shopping center, which at the very top floor, there was uh, Okonomiyaki. Just a restaurant. Restaurant, yeah, where they had heated heated tables, and so they would serve you an interesting one. And, of course, all these restaurants have plastic food that you can you can kind of pick your favorite, and I got a seafood one. Although I looked at that shelf, and then when we got in there, I was like, nothing on this menu is the same that was on that shelf, I don't oh, think. Oh, what? I don't know. Oh. I, whatever was I picked out on the shelf, I couldn't find on the menu, so I just got something else. So oh, I was like, I don't know how these correlate. I feel like there's like a, like when people hand us the English menu, I feel like there's like four things on it. They just put chicken strips and whatever. <laughs> chicken strip? <laughs> yeah, chicken strip and a Cheeto. And, um, but... I feel like that was one of the best things that I've had so far. It was so good. So um, we we were eating with those guys. It was really nice. We had like our own little private room with this almost like a grill on our table. And so they brought us all of our stuff and, you know, big like spatula that we could chop up our, our crazy pancake omelet thing. Mine had scallops in it and um, shrimp and all sorts of other weird stuff. And I don't know what yours was. Do you even remember? I don't even know what it was. It was, I don't know. I just pointed Did you just at one. pick something? Yeah, oh, yeah. it was good, though. I was like, ooh, seafood. So, um, but it was great. It was really nice. And now I'm exhausted. So, <sighs> I feel like my energy is slowly draining away. But then again, maybe I'll have some coffee or some tea tomorrow and then revive myself. So. Well, tomorrow's the last full day, so we're going to have one last Final hurrah. Tomorrow is the day to get all of the souvenirs you're going to bring home to everybody. Ooh, okay. Well, then maybe I'll feel extra energized. So we'll see what happens tomorrow. Today is March 21st. Today was the coolest. I know yesterday I was tired, but today was incredible. And I think all my energy finally came back. Um, Mike promised us in the way beginning of our trip that he would take us to go to a temple sale. And we were like, what's that? And he described it as sort of like a flea market, but better. And, and I'm all about that kind of thing. So, But taking place at a giant Buddhist temple. Which is amazing. And with all sorts of everything you'd ever want. So the whole trip we've been like, should we buy this? We can probably get it at the temple sale because at the temple sale you can get everything. Well, I was so, like, really, can we really get everything at the temple sale? I don't know. But yes, you can. Pretty much. You can pretty much <laughs> get everything at the temple sale. So let's paint a picture for everybody of what this looks like. Imagine a football field inside the walls. Of a giant temple. Of a giant temple. 
with pagodas and giant main temples. So it's like a grounds. It's like a compound, not just like around a temple. And then take a farmer's market and stick that on top of it. Yeah. And have each one of the booths be different things like Japanese antiques or salted fish or pottery that people make right there yeah. or old kimonos or um, wooden spoons and or things like ancient that. guns. Yeah, or artwork. Um, there was all sorts of cool stuff. Uh, I mean, I found um, some really great like metallic thread on these wooden spools. And I, uh, Mike actually bought it for me for my birthday, which is really, really cool. We found um, tons and tons of, like, I don't know, little souvenir-type things, but not, like, cheesy, weird ones. Well, the cheesy, weird one I got was a tiny, what was it? How big would you say that is? Like, a bean-sized pug? Yeah, a little ceramic pug. That I bought for James, because he loves pugs. He so loves pugs. I found these tiny pugs that were so tiny that... I didn't even know how I would put it in my pocket and not have it, like, disintegrate, but... But it was super angry, and it was really funny looking. Yeah, it's like it was like a really so mad small. little pug. But it had all this stuff, but I think you forgot the most important part to envision, and that is the entire population of New York City crammed into, like, a 10-block radius. <laughs> Inside the temple sale? Inside the temple sale. It was, it was super cool. So, okay, we're rubbing up against all these people. We're like, trying super to get to rubbing the... against them. Yeah, well, you're, like... Like, there's certain points where everyone would stop and put their heads down because we were also in the sun, and nobody could even move. Well, you were kind of moving with the flow. But there was a few points where we just stopped moving all together, and then I was like, this is where I will die. I was enjoying it. You're smaller than I am. Yeah, well, I would sneak through the crevices, and so I was checking out all the cool stuff, and they had, like, amazing brass horses that were from like the 60s or the 70s or something like that they had all these great little sake cups and they had um you know uh weird artifacts and some really old stuff and then of course like new things that artisans had made and um there were artwork scrolls that were from ancient times that people had and you you know they had kind of a booklet of all the different ones and you could page through that and point at the one you want and you know all these one-of-a-kind things um it was the coolest. The sights and the smells, and there were these big, like, I don't know, garbage bag-sized things with tons of pickles of different types. They were, like, pickled everything that you could think of, you know, and each booth was totally different, and people were sitting there just, like, frying uh, different kinds of skewered meats and stuff on... Man, it makes me hungry. Um, skewered, like, things on, on these grills, and people would make street food, and there was tons of, like... Um, candied nuts and whatever else, uh, tons of plants. It was yeah. just the coolest, but it was it massive. It was cool. They packaged the plants. How did they do that? It was like a ball. Like the the plants were in like a moss ball. Remember that? It was like the first table we saw. That's cool. Yeah. No, I don't remember that. Oh, I'll but to, I have pictures of it. It was like it was really cute. It was basically like a marimel ball with a plant growing out of the top. That is super cute. Instead of having them in pots or something. I don't know how they did it or how, or what it actually was. but It was really cool. And like as we were there for maybe three hours or so or something like that. We were there for a while. It just even, I mean, we like. You kind of sneak your way humongous, through It was humongous and yeah. we just continued to go. And then we were like, should we go? And we were like, we haven't seen it all yet. And then we would go down another one and it would take, like going anywhere just took a really long time. It was really cool though. And so. He was right. It was good to save some money and some time for the last day because I got some cool stuff. I got some old, uh, like some great embroidered back of like a kid's kimono. Yeah. Like a beautiful textile. You could go buy, how much was the kimono? Like entire kimono like for 10 bucks. Yeah. I mean, and this one was from the 60s or the 70s or something like that. It was just the coolest. Uh, what else did I get? Well, we got a whole new dish set for our kitchen. Oh! There was a guy who made these really interested kind of like stoneware stoneware that kind of is a it's a bowl but it's kind of like this pinch shape with a lip and then he puts these like broad white strokes on them yeah know. it was great it's Very like an raw. egg shape it was cool and he was right there so yeah. it was nice like like buying stuff right from a person who made it and then chris got some funny little cups for his um nieces and nephews yeah, yeah it was just really cool to see that i mean i think like we had spent so much time in some of like the covered streets and stuff just seeing like normal regular manufactured 
you know, things. And even though all that stuff was really cool, this was great because all these things were unique, you know, and they were handmade or hand grown or, you know, or handcrafted. And they were sometimes completely bizarre. Totally weird. You'd come across ones and you're just like, what, who is this person and where do they get all this weird stuff? Yeah. It's like somebody had crawled through everybody's basement and found like their weird artifacts and brought them there, but it was really cool. So we were pretty tired by the end of it and you know so many people they were burning these giant like i don't know if it was juniper or whatever it was like a big bonfire over there yeah you can buy like these juniper branches and throw them on a pyre or something yeah and at one point um this lady was talking on her cell phone she started wandering into a, a closed area of the temple and this poor guard was like no 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 and kind of like shoot her out of the way and all of a sudden all these priests came out wearing these bright like mustard colored robes and they kind of went through a procession through the through the market, and I don't know where they were going. But well, we... it's still because they still use the temple. It's like a functional temple, so they're the monks are still going about their business. So every like hour or something, people would like something would happen, and a gong would ring, and then all of a sudden this processional would come of all these monks, and there would be like these policemen to kind of clear the crowd ahead of and before them. Um, yeah, but that one lady was totally oblivious and like. She's like, Oops. and almost gave that guard a heart attack because she was like walking right into these monks, and they they kind of walk like they're gonna walk right through whatever they run into. <laughs> well, it was really cool. Um, we ended up having Indian food at this cute little place. Um, it's probably the only kind of food that uh, we hadn't had. You know, we had pretty much just all Japanese food all the time. And uh, Mike took us to an Indian food place on our way out after after the temple sale. And we had a really good meal, and it was great to sit down after all of that. Yeah. And then we got back. Um, oh, and then we went to the we went back to a department store that we had started at, because oh, I was yeah. like desperate to find a Hanshin Tiger, T-shirt or patch. What's that? Uh, it's like the local baseball team. There's the Hanshin Tigers, and they have a really cool logo. Obviously, the tiger. And I saw people wearing this stuff, and I saw this stuff, and I was like, and I can't buy any of the clothes because they're all too small and i looked at the hats but their hats all i wanted was like the logo so the whole trip i've been looking for a patch that i could put on anything and we went and checked this one place where mike's like if they're gonna have it anywhere it's gonna be here and we went and it was like on the 15th floor of some department store right in the middle of osaka and sure enough i found the whole one patch one patch that was exactly what i was looking for and then your your dreams came true. Yes. What are you going to put it on? I don't know. I have a collection of patches, and I have to figure out what I'm going to put those on. <laughs> yeah, you probably should. But it was really cool. And then um, we went back, um, rode the train all the way back, and had a really nice final dinner with Mike and Ruth. We had ramen, um, just like we had on the first day with those guys. And it was really nice. Um We've had a really awesome time here in Japan. It has been a total adventure. A lot of things we learned. Um, a lot of things that I'm sure once I learn a little bit more when we get home, I'm going to be embarrassed about half the stuff I did or didn't do. Um, but it was really neat. It was, it was everything that I hoped it would be, plus a bunch of stuff. Yeah. You know. So I'm excited to go back someday. I think it'll be really nice. Um, hopefully we can take some people if we end up doing it again. So. You know what I'm not excited for? What? Packing. Even though I think we probably have filled up that suitcase just perfectly. I think I did do that thing where I bought candy, lots of candy and lots of stationery. Yeah. So I'm pretty much I'm pretty sure that that whole huge suitcase is just candy. And I hope customs doesn't take it from me. Yeah. And so I'm not excited about that and then I'm not excited about the twenty five hour flight. What it's not a twenty five hour flight, but it's twenty five hours of flying and sitting in airports. We have a seven hour layover in Los Angeles, which I'm just gonna sleep through. We'll see. And then we get home and we have to go immediately back to class. Woohoo! Class! <laughs> so, so, not excited about that, but it was worth it. Totally I mean, worth we, it. It was worth packing in every single day we could instead of trying to cut it early and, and, and be well rested when we return to America. Yeah. Why, why be well rested? It's an adventure. So, we just want to say thanks to Mike and Ruth for their hospitality. It was amazing. Thanks for everything that you guys did for us, if you guys listen to this. But... Um, yeah, I I am looking forward to being home. I'm looking forward to reminisce on all the photos and stuff like that. But see our pets. See our pets. See our friends. Go to the gallery. Say hi to Jenny and James. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, go back to class and say hi to those guys too. 
But yeah, overall, I think it was a success. It was a good one. Thanks for listening to Japan Diaries Part 3. Again, we've got a lot of cool stuff happening at Light Gray Art Lab. Chris, where can people find it? You can email us at podcast at lightgrayartlab.com. You can find us on Twitter at lightgrayartlab. You can like us on Facebook and find out about upcoming events and activities. You can follow us on Instagram, lightgrayartlab. You can find us on Tumblr, and we'll be retumbling uh, works in progress and upcoming shows and things like that at lightgrayartgallery.tumblr.com. You can subscribe to this show on the iTunes Music Store and stream it directly from Stitcher Radio. Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk with you soon.